Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Well, can you believe it's already April 2nd? This year is just flying by. And so today I've got a new um, word for you today. Last month it was entirely focused on the Holy Spirit. How many got something out of those messages on the Holy Spirit? Hopefully some of you did. I know they're uploaded online. If you want to listen to them on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, right, Raquel? Our sound and media person there, yes. So you can always go back and listen to any message you missed that way. But today I've titled this, The God of the Unexpected. Say that with me, the God of the unexpected. Now, I don't know about you, but at my job, or maybe at your job, none of you and and I like to hear or face unexpected things, right? We don't like to come across any surprises. Uh, Part of my job at the company I work for, it's a food company, we manufacture purees, I'm the scheduler, I schedule all the production for the whole year, and we uh, create Uh, materials, buy materials from all over the world, and we have to bring them in on container ships and make sure they're getting to the port in time, and the last couple of years have been crazy, but I have this little sticker, a little note on my desk, and it says, trust, but verify. How many know what I'm talking about? Trust, but verify. You know, when you tell someone, you you got this, you're going to take care of that? Oh, yeah, I got it. Well, I trust them, but guess what? I'm going to go back and verify that they did it. So that's part of what you do in in production. You just have to make sure things are done because you don't want to be there on the day things are supposed to be done and things aren't there to get done. Amen? So we want to trust but verify. How many know that there are things, though, that happen unexpectedly in life? It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be relational. And sometimes those are all related. And things come at you and surprise you unexpectedly. How many have ever been in a situation like that? I think that's all of us. And I would say that you're not human if, if you have not had unexpected things happen to you. But we, you know, we recently experienced that through COVID. No one here would have expected to have to go and and that everything would be shut down, that you couldn't get toilet paper, you couldn't get simple things, staples that you had been uh, used to having in your home. And here we were struggling, the whole world seemingly shut down. Nobody would have ever imagined that. That came unexpectedly. Well, God comes into our life sometimes unexpectedly. How many know that? There are things that will happen in your life that you weren't ready for, but God says, come on, I'm going to take you down a path. Come on, I'm going to lead you somewhere. And God did a lot of that, and we see that in the life of of Jesus Christ. Amen? Today is what's known as Palm Sunday. Everybody say that with me, Palm Sunday. Why is it called Palm Sunday? Because of the palms that the people cut down and laid down on the road for Jesus to come into as he marched into Jerusalem, amen? It was known as Palm Sunday. Now, here, this was the case with Jesus that he did things unexpectedly. On this Palm Sunday, we wouldn't have an Easter if we had not had a Palm Sunday. We would not have a Resurrection Sunday which is Easter, if we didn't have first Palm Sunday. 
You see, we give much emphasis to Resurrection Sunday and next week, and rightfully so, but it never would have happened without Palm Sunday. We call this again Palm Sunday because Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and the people are recognizing him as the Messiah, as the King of Kings. And that's where we're going to go today here in the, next few, in the next few moments. Palm Sunday marks the final trip of Jesus into Jerusalem. He's coming home. He knows what's before him. Just a week ahead is the cross, and he knows this. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. It doesn't mean he didn't feel. He felt. He hungered, the Bible says. He thirsted. He hurt on the cross physically for you and I. And here he was entering Jerusalem as a coming king, yet knowing what was ahead a week from now. How would that make you feel if you knew a week from today was going to be your last day? I mean, think about that. Jesus was in this particular situation. He had been ministering now for three years, and his ministry was coming to an end. Coming to Jerusalem during the feast of Passover, the biggest and greatest feast of all in, for the religious uh, Jews of that time, when thousands of people would come to visit Jerusalem, would come to the temple to worship Almighty God. He had, Jesus had recently raised Lazarus from the dead. See, Jesus had become famous. They, we didn't have, they didn't have Twitter or social media where you could read up to the moment things in this world, what's going on, but things had, had, had been passed on like, did you hear what Jesus did? And then she would take it and tell it to the neighbor over here, and that neighbor would take it over here to the next town. And before you knew it, people had heard about this Messiah, this coming Messiah named Jesus who was raising people from the dead. Jesus, his popularity among the people was at an all-time high at this point. I'm trying to paint the picture of this king being welcomed and received by the people. So I want to take you to the Gospel of John, chapter 12, if you have your Bible. Um, if not, it'll be up on the screen for you. John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. Listen to this in the way it's described in the New King James Version. This is Jesus entering Jerusalem. So the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast... When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. This right here, this passage found in this Gospel of John is the triumphant entry of Jesus entering as the King of Kings the Lord of Lords. You see, the people at that moment were thinking Jesus was coming to set up his earthly kingdom. But we all know now in retrospect, by reading the Word of God, that was never part of his plan. He was coming to reveal himself as the Messiah, but he didn't come to establish his kingdom at that time. They were hoping that this was the man that was going to, or the Messiah that was going to free them from Roman oppression from Roman slavery, basically. They were at the beck and call, having to pay taxes 
because of the Roman oppression at that time. But in this message, for the next few moments, I want to take a look at the unexpected events that occurred during this, what we call Passion Week. Today, through Good Friday, through Easter Sunday, is known as Passion Week. And many celebrate it during this time, knowing that this was the time of, that Jesus was going to be crucified. Amen? The week had begun in tremendous exaltation and prophetic understanding in the eyes of the people that had become acquainted with Jesus for three years. This was the culmination of that time. He was being fully recognized as the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. Of all the prophecies from the book of Isaiah and Zechariah that had promised the coming king, they were seeing that fulfilled right before their eyes. But by the end of that week, most of those same people would ridicule Jesus, would spit on him and deny him as the Messiah. Unexpected events began to happen. Amen? So are there lessons to learn? I believe there are. There are lessons to learn from this story of Jesus entering triumphantly into Israel, into Jerusalem. <coughs> Jesus' entry into Jerusalem must have been one of those moments for his disciples where they said, yes, we've been walking with him for three years. We've, we've kind of suffered hardship. Uh, we've had to find places to sleep and eat. And uh, here we are. Now they're finally recognizing him as the coming Messiah and the King of Kings. They must have thought, yes, finally. Yet they didn't know less than a week away what was in store for them. They had no clue. Sometimes it's, it's important just to know that I'm close to the Lord. I'm close to where he's at. Stick to his word. Stick to him. Stick to his presence. Because if you do that, everything else is going to work out all right. Everything else is going to be good as long as you stick with him. Amen? So it was not only the disciples, but many people who gathered on that day to receive Jesus as the Messiah. You see, the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem on this day is the only record we have of Jesus riding on a donkey. The Bible says in every other description of Jesus that he walked everywhere. In fact, he even walked on water, right? He walked everywhere. And this was unexpected, but it was a prophecy being fulfilled at that moment. And we're going to read that scripture here in a few minutes. I want to take you to another scripture first found in Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. Matthew chapter 21. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So while there were many that were excited about his arrival and proclaiming he was the Messiah, there were others that were asking, who is this? Who is this? Because at that time, there were constant prophets and people that claimed to have divine knowledge. And, and here Jesus was saying he was the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And so they were saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And when the crowd saw Jesus as he entered Jerusalem, they shouted, Hosanna. Say that with me. Hosanna. Do you know what that means? It means save now. Save now. 
Say that with me. Save now. Picture Jesus riding in on a donkey. Palms being placed on the roadway. Coats even being placed on the roadway. What they're really shouting is, save now. Save us now from this oppression. Save us now from this kingdom with your spiritual kingdom. Amen? Hosanna, again, which means save now. He was their new king. He came to bring them salvation. He came to rescue them from the way that they had been oppressed is what the people thought at that moment. But I want to talk to you about three points, three things that we can learn from this story here of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Number one, Jesus arrives unexpectedly. How many know that Jesus shows up when you least think he, he will? How many have ever had Jesus show up in your life when you didn't think he was going to show up? It's all of us. When we pray, even when we don't pray, sometimes he'll show up because he loves you, because he has his, his divine hand upon you. And here today, I want to share with you how this impacted those people at that time. First of all, Jesus comes riding in humility on a donkey. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that the people would be thinking, here is the promised Messiah, the promised king, that he would come riding on a nice big white horse? I mean, isn't that the way all the kings of that time rode in on, on the big white horse? But Jesus didn't want to be perceived that way. He came humbly on a donkey of all animals, on a donkey. He came humbly before them. Talk about the unexpected. See, Jesus didn't, he wasn't even born surrounded by royalty or luxury. Jesus was born in a stable with animals and shepherds. Why would we expect him to come in any differently? He came humbly just as he came into this world, humbly. That's a lesson right there that we all need to learn about being humble, amen? <clears throat> I want to take you to Zechariah chapter 9. This is the fulfillment, what I mentioned earlier, about Jesus riding on a donkey. This was prophesied before he was ever even born that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem. Listen to this right here in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that in the New Testament. Jesus came riding on a donkey. And that was the sign for the unbelievers at that time. They saw that as a sign. This is the Messiah. This is the coming king. Meanwhile, the people are praising God, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. Save us now. Save us now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is what they were shouting. Jesus entered Jerusalem in humility, riding on a donkey. Because Jesus, the people, believed Jesus was their earthly Messiah, and now their coming king. But here's where it takes an unexpected turn. Since he came into the world in such unexpected fashion, 
we shouldn't be surprised that he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday in such a humble way. We shouldn't be surprised. Don't be surprised when Jesus comes in unexpected ways to meet you, to meet you in the middle of what you're going through unexpectedly, through unexpected people, through unexpected situations. We all seem to think that God's going to work in our life like this, in this little box, in this way I think he's going to do it. How many know that he'll just wipe that box away and he'll just open another door for you and he'll close doors and he'll say, I'm going to do it my way. Why? The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. He knows what's best for you. The Bible that you're holding is the manual for your life, the spiritual manual for your life. He knows what's best for you. Amen? Amen. I always like to say that I had a manual in high school and he was my best friend. It's good for you to have a manual in your life. Amen. So be on the lookout for Jesus to show up unexpectedly in your life. Show, show God that you're waiting on him, that you're, that you're looking in every direction. Don't think he's going to be coming this way when he might be coming in this direction. Amen. He's going to show up unexpectedly in your life. Number two, Jesus loves unexpected people. Wow, this is so powerful. Because, see, the crowd had gathered, and just as we had read about Jesus, it wasn't just his 12 disciples. It wasn't 120 like in the upper room. This was thousands of people that had gathered for the Feast of Passover and also just to welcome, to see what this commotion is all about. What's going on? They're trying to peer over the crowd. What's going on? And they came to see people from all walks of life, young and old, rich, wealthy, as well as the poor, as well as the doubters, the curious, the onlookers, and the true worshipers of God were all gathered there. They had all come to see this man, Jesus. But they, you know, some of these people, these unexpected people, they weren't wearing the right clothes. They didn't have the, the sport coat or the nice suit or the nice shoes or the or, or whatever it was. They, they didn't have that. There were some people that came from the other side of the tracks. How many know what I'm talking about? The, the castaways, the, um, the people that weren't welcome. They were all gathered there. They didn't have the right education or the right family background. They weren't all dressed the right way. They weren't all righteous. They weren't all looking the best or even smelling the best. They were all gathered there. Some just flat out didn't belong. That's why in the Gospel of Luke, in another passage, it says that the Pharisees told Jesus to rebuke his disciples because they were like that. They were outcasts. They were basically telling him, hey, take care of your people here. Mind your people here. But Jesus never turned away people. Did you notice that in the Bible? He never turned anybody away. The outcasts, those that were not welcomed in other places, he welcomed them. Amen? He, see, Jesus loves on those that you least expect. Don't ever develop an attitude that there are certain people that Jesus would never entertain. That's a wrong attitude to have. Amen? I need to hear an amen on that one because Jesus will entertain anybody. Amen? See, Jesus 
was accused of being a glutton and a drinker. But the Bible doesn't say he was a glutton or a drinker. It just says that he hung out with those people. The Bible says that he associated with people uh, that, that he loved lepers. The Bible says he loved the prostitutes, the wealthy, the poor, the beggars, and the priests. But notice, he never told them to stay in that condition. He always loved on them and said, go and sin no more. Go and be transformed. Go and change your ways. Amen? And that's why you're here today, because God has transformed your life. God has helped you in that transformation process. You see, the people we might find unlovable, or we could only love them after he changed them, Jesus loved them on the spot. That's why I always, always be careful when somebody walks in that door and say, oh, I don't know about that. Don't ever do that in the house of God. Don't ever do that anywhere outside of here either. Those are people, those are sons and daughters of God Almighty, amen? doesn't matter what they're wearing, how bad they smell, or if that's somebody that you would never associate with, God loves them, amen? God loves you, and you're no different, and you're no better, and neither am I, amen? I want to have you turn to 1 John chapter 4, which really spells this out for us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says it this way, We love Him because He first loved us. God first loved you in the middle of your sin. Did you know that? When you were a reckless human being with no thought of God in your mind, God still loved you. God loved you in the middle of your junk, in the middle of your stuff, in the middle of your situation. God loved you. And we can love Him because He first loved us. See, because He loved us, He transformed us. I'm so thankful that each of you, just like me, we're not the same that we used to be. We're still in the process of becoming transformed, amen? God is still working on us every day to transform us into that person that He believes we can be. You see, it doesn't matter. Sinners, rebellious, hypocrites, unfaithful, let me keep going here, liars, thieves, adulterers, murderers, covenant breakers, guilty of sexual immorality of all kind, but he loves us, amen? He loves us and transforms us and makes us new creations in him. Only though, <laughs> there's always a but, but you have to come to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. That's called repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is walking this way and all of a sudden now going this way. It's a different way of life. It's transformation. Amen? How many have seen transformation in, in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have been transformed by the power of God. Amen? All of us have. And that is his mercy and grace bestowed upon you. Don't be surprised when he still loves you, even though you have failed him and sinned again and again and got caught up doing the same thing that you said, Lord, forgive me. I'll never do this again. Don't be surprised if he still forgives you of that. Why? Because he loves you. Amen? He still loves unexpected people just like us. He still loves you and I. Amen? Why? Because Jesus loves unexpected people people. The third thing we learn from this is that 
Jesus does unexpected things. Unexpected things. You know, again, as parents, we don't like it when our kids do unexpected things when they're small. We don't like that. Or even when they're older, when, they, when, when your daughter comes out and says, I just ran away with somebody and eloped and uh, we're married now. No, that hasn't happened in my life. But you know what I'm talking about. When you hear news like that, you don't want to hear things like that. But Jesus' custom here at that time when he, was, when he would come to Jerusalem was to first go into the temple. And so Jesus, as he's welcomed into Jerusalem, the first thing he does is he goes to the temple to worship. As he arrived at the temple, the scriptures tell us that he was filled. He became filled with righteous anger. Let's take a look at that in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts. And you see what was going on here during this feast of Passover. The, the money changers and vendors had set up tables and were selling their stuff out there in the temple courts. It had become a place of business. Imagine if this was, place was just filled with, with chickens and lambs and goats and people exchanging money. And, and then Jesus walks in and goes, what in the world are you doing? So this is what, he, what, he, what, he, what happened. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called, will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. We must always have respect for the things of God. Amen. There's a time and place for everything. He wasn't saying what they were doing was bad. He was saying what they were doing at that moment, at that place, was bad. So again, we have to realize that Jesus will come and do unexpected things. They probably didn't expect Jesus to come and overturn the tables. Some people had this image of this quiet, soft-spoken Jesus with beautiful flowing hair. Oh, wait, that's the modern version, right? The blue eyes and the, and, the, and the blonde hair. That's the modern version. But I'm talking about some people think that Jesus was just this quiet person that would never raise his voice, never get angry. Brother Manuel, he would never get angry. But yet here in this Bible verse that we just read, he's overturning tables. That, was, that just tells us that you and I could be filled with righteous anger at the things of God that are, that are done in an incorrect way. Amen? That's what Jesus was expressing here in this instance. He was expressing his righteous anger. So let's continue. Jesus confronted the religious leaders, and he calls them out. These were religious leaders that had allowed that to happen. And he called them out, began to just shut them down and say, what are you doing? And that brings me to this point here in talking about how Jesus does unexpected things. Most churches in our world today are quick to point out the us versus them, meaning the righteous people, believers in God versus those that are in the world that don't know the Lord. We know there's a difference there. There's, we know that there's a, a, a divide, there's a, there's a gap, people that don't know Christ, that need to know him for favor, to have favor in their life. But oftentimes what they miss is in church, the, the sin in church. Because 
You know, God knows about that difference in the world, but the sad tr truth is that there's lack of transformation sometimes within believers in churches, and we need to hear that. Pastors need to preach on that. We need to share the truth when it needs to be spoken, amen? Je just as Jesus confronted truth and called out sin, we have to look in the mirror and be accountable to ourselves, be accountable to God, and say, Lord, speak to me. Tell me the truth. Hit me straight up. I want to know what it is that you see. And, and because sometimes we can lie to ourselves, right? When we look in that mirror, we can lie to ourselves. But the Holy Spirit sees all. And so Jesus will show up in your life and do unexpected things, just as he did in this temple at that time. See, Jesus wasn't afraid of rocking the boat. Jesus can, and he will rock your boat from time to time. He will shake your foundation to see what your foundation is made of. Is it on the rock, him, or is it built on sand where it's just going to fall apart? Jesus will come and show up in your life. I promise you that. Why? Because Jesus does unexpected things. And in closing this afternoon, let me ask you this question. Are you living your life open to God to do the unexpected? Or have you just closed off that part and say, Lord, you can only work how I want you to work, what I think you should do? Or are you saying in your spirit, say, Lord, have your way. As we sang in that song, really, that Raquel was singing, it's really have your way, Lord, in my life. I choose you, Lord. Do whatever you deem right in my life. And when you begin to pray like that, don't be surprised when he begins to answer prayers in an unexpected way in your life. Not just on Palm Sunday, not just on Easter Sunday, not just at the rapture, but I'm talking about everyday life. When he'll show up and speak to you in the middle of Walmart, middle of Costco when you're shopping, in the middle of worship practice, God will speak to you, amen? He'll show up in unexpected ways. Don't be surprised when he does the unexpected today in your life. Don't be surprised when he saves, heals, and delivers that person that you thought could never be saved. Don't ever think that, by the way, that somebody that you know is beyond salvation, beyond deliverance. None of us are beyond deliverance. Can I get an amen? All of us are a work in progress. All of us here. You see, where Jesus is, the unexpected happens. Are you struggling right now with relationship or a job? Expect the unexpected. Expect Jesus to show up in the unexpected areas of your life. I think some of you never thought you'd be in the mess you're in today. But if you know Jesus, don't give up because he's about to show up unexpectedly. Spread the palm branches in your life. Begin to spread them out and begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. God, save me now. Answer me now and begin to expect the unexpected. God will begin to answer you in ways that you didn't think possible. I think some of you have dreams and have had hopes that you've closed off already, that you said God could never do that. God can never answer me in this way. I want to just tell you right now that's incorrect. 
expect the unexpected. God will come and answer your prayers that you've been praying for over and over and over for many years. Amen? Begin and continue to spread those palm branches before him and welcome him into your life, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who does unexpected things. That is the God we serve. Amen. Would you stand with me this afternoon as we close? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Father, for answering prayer, for doing things unexpectedly in our lives, for coming and saving, for speaking, for delivering each of us, Lord, from sin. Lord, we love you. We're going to close in a, in a song this afternoon. And I want you to just begin to set those branches, those palm branches out today as today is Palm Sunday. Set them out and just begin to cry out in your spirit, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now, save now. And watch the Lord begin to do unexpected things in your life. Amen. Join me in this song. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyons.